0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Josh. It's a pretty interesting song, especially the way it ends, right? That uh, for breathing to feel all right would mean that there was a time where breathing didn't feel all right. You know, and I think, as in a room this size, it's it's probably safe to assume that uh, many of us have had those moments in life where it was difficult to breathe because of the circumstance around us. That there was a struggle, there was a challenge, there was something going on, and all of a sudden we just felt. By ourselves in the middle of it, and, uh, and, and, and it's just breathing becomes difficult, the, same, the things that are automatic in our lives, right? How do we do this? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to press on? Some of the lyrics of this song are, are really powerful and quite interesting. It says, uh, in, in one part here, it says, well, many a night I found myself with no friends standing near all of my days, My little remote here isn't working, guys. I don't know why that is, but if you'd help me out, that'd be great. It says, well, many a night I found myself with no friends standing near all of my days. You know, and that's this idea of loneliness, of, of loneliness. And most of us have had that expression, that feeling, like there's no friends, nothing going on in our lives, nothing happening, right? And we just feel like I'm going through something on my own. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that, but I have, Right? Something hits our lives and it feels like, well, I'm just standing in this space and there's nobody, nobody understands, nobody quite gets, gets what I'm saying here. You know, for me in my life, those moments where I felt like deep sense of like fear and loneliness, something as simple as the cafeteria. Y'all ever have that experience? Nobody, right, the cafeteria, right? I, I remember like, and I do this might surprise you, but I was not, you know, the word for it would be popular. Uh, in school, uh, I have a letter jacket to prove it that uh, I lettered in academics, choir, and NFL, the National Forensics League, speech and debate. So you can imagine the ladies were lining up to go to the dance with me. And uh, I can remember, like even to this day, like I have this like sense, like oh my goodness, it's it's my lunch period. And I'm not gonna know anybody. I'm gonna walk into that lunchroom as a ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, and there's gonna be nobody to sit with. And I can remember, like, just the, the anxiety around that. And I still have that, you know. Truth be told, when there's dinners and things uh, at the church that I work at, I always tell the folks just assign me a seat because it's really uncomfortable for me. I'm not, a, I'm not a in the middle of crowd kind of people. Just uh, I have a, believe it or not, I have a fairly sense, like introverted kind of personality. Uh, I don't care about what you think of me, but I'm still introverted, right? I mean, that's <laughs> a weird combination, I know, but uh, that's just kind of the reality. So like, I just, I need an assigned table. And I, I think about it in my life, it kind of goes back to that, that space. And we all have those moments where we feel loneliness. And a lot of it is because we just, we think no one understands me. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. So here's what we're gonna do. All right, guys, my remote isn't working. And so I'm gonna set the remote down and you guys are gonna advance the slides. And when I say the first word on the slide, you advance it. Give me a thumbs up if that makes sense to you. All right, I got a thumbs up. That's how we do it here. It doesn't bother me at all. It's just technology, right? So we think nobody understands me right? Nobody gets me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. You got the diagnosis. You buried a child. You get the cancer. Whatever it might be, nobody understands me. You lost your house. You lost your job. Nobody understands me. And then we move into a space of, well, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about me, right? I mean, this is kind of this loneliness, this, this space, right? Nobody really cares about me. And all of a sudden then we start listening and then it says, like, well, nobody cares about me, but maybe God doesn't care about me. Maybe God doesn't care about me, right? That's kind of this ultimate place, this ultimate expression, like maybe God doesn't even care about me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so filled with just like loneliness and doubt that nobody's there, nobody's present, nobody cares about me and God has even abandoned me? You know, there's this guy in scripture that I think really uh, plays this reality out. There's this guy in scripture who understands this truth that loneliness is this loud, convincing liar, right? Loneliness is this loud, convincing liar that is always shouting in our ear, right? It's shouting in our ear. You're not, nobody cares. Nobody understands. You're by yourself. You have to walk through this alone. Nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants you spilling over onto them, They've got their own problems. They don't really care. They say they care. They post the sad face to your Facebook post, but that's about as far as it's gonna go. And I think there's this guy in scripture that I'd like to look at for a few minutes this morning, who this would be his theme song, right? This song that Josh performed for us, right? This idea of loneliness, this idea of searching, and then actually coming into a space of being seen and being understood. First Kings chapter 19 is what I want to look at today. Uh, First Kings is a book in the, what we call the Old Testament. If you're new to Bible study, uh, like I was, I'm just super glad you're here. Uh, if you're new to Bible study, there's no prerequisite. The Bible is, is a daunting book. People who told you it was easy uh, to understand, they lied to you. There's absolutely no evidence that the Bible is easy to understand, except a few strange people that say it is. Uh, I have seven years of school to prove that it's not that easy to understand. It's easy to misunderstand. That it's easy to do. So uh, everybody can take a breath, and uh, we're a space that's intent on following Jesus, who uh, is very challenging, but most often Jesus is pretty easy to understand. And But there's this book in, in the Hebrew scriptures, the old, what we call the Old Testament, and, uh, and and it's called First Kings, and it tells the story of kind of the nation of Israel pre-king, pre, before there was a king in charge. It's kind of the early history of Israel. And there's this guy named Elijah, and he was a prophet. Now, when we think of prophet, we tend to think of like somebody with a crystal ball, you know, smoking it, you know, and, just like looking at it. And that's really not, a prophet really wasn't about like telling the future. A prophet was really about uh, telling the people where they were missing it, right? Trying to be this presence, this physical voice of of God in their lives. That was kind of the, the function of the prophetic. And so there's this great story in 1 Kings chapter 19 that I wanna I'll read to you. And uh, I don't know what is going on, but it is like, so you should, everybody turn around and look just so you can see. I want everybody to know what's going on here this morning. So, <laughs> I cannot preach without that wall working right. You should just know that. So this will be good. This will help me out a little bit. Anybody got a Bible? I know I might need that. It just keeps flashing on and off. It's the craziest thing. We're going to receive an offering to fix that. All right. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be a long 20 years if we can't get that fixed. Right. <laughs> so here's what it says. in First. first and believe it or not, I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't. Um, I know you might think that because I'm pretty awesome, but I don't have it Bible memorized. Oh, well, it's here. We'll see what happens. You'll be on call. You'll be on call. Give her a (laughs) big hand. Somebody loves me this morning. That's good. All right, so here's what it says in 1 Kings 19. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent the message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you killed them. Woo, that's intense. That's a great way to start a chapter, right? Like what happened? That's the big question. Like what Happened? What happened? Well, in chapter eighteen, you can read this huge contest that took place between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Right now, most of us don't—we uh, don't live in a context anymore. Right in our culture where there's different gods competing for everybody's time and attention. Oh, oh wait, we do. We just call it TV and movies, but at any rate, so, uh, there was this huge contest that Elijah called out and he says, Hey, for once and for all, we're going to find out who really is the most powerful God. Is it Yahweh, the God of Israel, or is it Baal and Asherah? And, uh, and so he has this big contest. And at the end of the day, uh, I don't, I don't want to be a spoiler, but Yahweh wins. Like the God of Israel wins, and uh, and and he sets up these. He, they, they say, but "Here's the contest. We're going to do two. Uh, we're going to do." do two altars, and uh, and on one altar, you do your thing. On the other altar, I'll do mine, and we'll see where fire comes down. And so the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they do their thing, and they're dancing around the altar, and they're screaming and they're shouting. They eventually start cutting themselves, trying to get Baal's attention. And Elijah's super gracious about the whole thing. He's, like, totally mocking them, right? He's a super spiritual guy. He's like, hey, you know, maybe Baal's maybe in the bathroom. Like, that's literally what it says. And uh, he's taunting them. And, and it's interesting Thing that so they're like, you know, they're doing their thing and nothing happens. And so Elijah says, hey, here's the deal. Go give me some water. And he starts pouring jugs of water on the altar. Now I'm not, a, I'm not too much of a camper. I, when I camp, I'm in a camper, <laughs> right? I like running water, those types of things. And, uh, but, but I know like wet wood does not burn easily. It doesn't burn very well at all. And, but Elijah's just pouring all this water on. And Elijah just says, you know what, God? Could we just end this nonsense? And big lightning bolt comes at just the right time. Sends it up in flames. So now all of Israel's is like, Yahweh is God. And so they take all these prophets of Baal and Asherah, 400 of them, they take them down to a valley and they kill them. They just kill them. Now here's what's interesting. You gotta know this. Like Nowhere in that text does God say, go take all the prophets and kill them. Like, they just got ahead of themselves, I think, a little bit. <laughs> right like it's just it's a tribal culture that's what you do i mean i hate to break the news to everybody this text was written a long time ago it's not as if god was like yes more blood you know i don't i don't think that's what we see in jesus right and and so that's what happened and so ahab who's the king at the time who lost the battle goes home tells his wife who she's totally into baal worship and asherah worship and she's she's not a stable individual right and so she says that's it i'm going after elijah so that's the point now it says this in the text, it says that Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. Think about what he just saw. He just saw God do this crazy miracle. He just saw like all of Israel kind of turn and, and walk with him. And he's like, get him and pitchforks and the whole thing and to kill all the prophets. And he's freaking out now. And it says that he traveled all day out. He left his servant there. And then he sat down on a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He says, I have had enough. I've had enough, God. I've had enough. I've lost my text. Where is it? Keep it. One more. One more for me. There we go. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Think about the space that Elijah was in. He had just seen this incredible miracle And then he catches wind that his life's in danger and he takes off and he hides. And we can see by what he does in his attitude that the lies of loneliness were becoming facts to Elijah. The lies of loneliness were becoming facts to him. Right, these lies that set in. And you know how you can see it? Because he started to act like he was alone when he wasn't. What does he do? He takes his his assistant, his servant, and he says, you stay here. You couldn't possibly understand what I'm going through. And he goes off on this journey to God knows where without, without anything, as we'll see, he finds a solitary broom tree, out, this one lonely tree. He goes out, he lays under it and he says, I just want to die. I just want to die. Then it says that he laid down, he slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel came and touched him and said, get up and eat. And it says, Elijah looked around and there beside his head, was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he laid down again. Interesting guy just goes out and has no food. What do you think his state of mind? is? like, I'm just going out here to die. I don't care, he's going on this journey. We don't really know where he's going. We don't even know what he's doing. He's just, I need to be by myself. Nobody cares, nobody understands. So he goes out, but this angel of the Lord shows up, right? And it says that the angel of the Lord came again and he touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. You see, I think Elijah knew that the journey ahead was gonna be too much for him. That's why he was taking it. We don't really know where he's going. He doesn't have any direction, but I think Elijah knows where he's going. The angel doesn't say where he's supposed to go. We don't have any of that in the story. We just have it in his head. This is where I'm going. Now, here's what I wanna say to you. Don't forget the angel. All right, we're gonna move on, but don't forget the angel. The angel is a huge part of our lives. And we're gonna circle back around to the angel here in just a moment. So the Bible says that Elijah, he got up, he ate and drank the food, and that the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. So right here in this moment, we see this is where Elijah wanted to go. Elijah wanted to go to this place called Mount Sinai, which was the place where God and the Israelites uh, met and, and Moses encountered God. We get this great story of the 10 commandments coming at Mount Sinai, the powerful presence of God envelops the mountain. The people are like, uh, Moses, you go ahead. We'll kick back here. Let us know how it works out, Right. And so we get a little bit, we have to kind of imagine ourselves in Elijah's mind that he's like, where is God? Where's God? The only place he can think to go back to is the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. So he goes over there and he crawls into this cave and he's there to spend the night. But the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Isn't that great? Do you think God's confused? It's fascinating to me, like, God's really lost. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you ever have somebody show up at your house? You're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? Like, there's a misunderstanding here. You shouldn't be here. That's the sense that I get from the story, right? That Elijah's like, I'm gonna, Elijah's like, boom, I'm gonna go talk to God. And I know God will be at Mount Sinai. And, and God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah replies this, oh, I'm glad you asked. You know what? I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. And I don't think he spoke about God in the third person in this conversation, right? He's branding. I have served you. (laughs) I've served you zealously. But the people of Israel, they've broken down or their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets, every one of them. I'm the only one left. It's just me. And now they're all trying to kill me too. That's what I'm doing here, God. I came to have words about this. Where are you? What are you doing? And you know what he's basically saying? I quit. I quit. I'm quitting. That's why I'm here. I want to deliver my resignation to your face, God. I'm quitting. I'm done with this nonsense. Never wanted to quit. Now remember, this is a guy who has seen it all. This is a guy who watched incredible miracles take place. I mean, he's seen everything and he says, I'm quitting. I'm out. God, if you're not gonna be with me, I don't wanna have anything to do with this stuff. I'm quitting. Some of you are in that space right now. See, you're in that space where you've done exactly and I've been in that space where I've listened to those lies that Elijah has heard. Right? And so Elijah has listened to the loneliness lies, right? that lie that says, Elijah, everyone is against you. Everyone's against you. That's what he believed. He had seen God do incredible things in his life, but he had believed the lie, everything is against you. He believed the second lie of loneliness that was coming into his heart, right? Elijah, you're the only one left. What does Elijah say? I'm it, they've killed everybody but me third lie of loneliness that Elijah believed that we oftentimes do is that Elijah's like, God's done with me. God's done with me. If God wasn't done with me, he'd be with me. People would be trying to kill me. God's done with me. He had started to believe all those lies. And I love what God says. It's like, okay, you got your resignation letter all right. That's cool. That's cool. I appreciate that. Appreciate you coming all the way over, right? All right, but oh okay, yeah, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to go out and stand before me on the mountain. Now remember, in, in Elijah's mind, the mountain is this place where God's power is and God's presence is. He said, go out and stand there. And I'm gonna pass by. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Big old windstorm, right? We came out uh, the other day out of our house and like just I, I hadn't experienced wind like that here yet. <laughs> and Wendy came in, she was like, whoa! Like our dog was freaking out. The house was shaking, right? Huge wind comes by. It says, it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. It says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. You know, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound a gentle whisper. Think about Elijah's state right now. He's gotta be agitated, irritated, frustrated, hurt, angry, all of it. And he's out there and there's something in his spirit that knows God's not in that, God's not in that, God's not in that. And it says that when Elijah heard it, when he heard the whisper, when he heard it, he knew it. And he wrapped his face in a cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Imagine knowing that the very presence of God is just outside now. And he wraps his face and he humbly comes out before this God that he's so frustrated with. You see, Elijah wanted this violent argument. He wanted to show up at God's doorstep and he had everything under mind. This is what you need, this is what you need. But God knew that Elijah didn't need an angry voice from him, that God didn't need a demonstration of power. that Elijah Elijah needed a calming whisper. And I wonder what God whispered. We don't know that. It's interesting, we have this whole story. The only person who's gonna tell this story is Elijah, right? It's his story to tell. It's the only one. I mean, there's nobody else there, right? And, and, And so he had to have told somebody at some point in time. But he never says, what did God whisper? I wonder if God whispered to him, I get it. I understand. I understand your wounds. I understand the pain you're going through. I understand why you took it upon yourself to go kill those 400 prophets. I understand why you think I'm not there. I get the wounds in your life. But we do know that this is what the Lord did tell him. And I don't think this is the only thing God told him. It's a long journey for two sentences. You know, what I'm saying? travel 41 days. I, I imagine this conversation was a little longer than what we have here, right? Otherwise, I'd have been really ticked off if I was Elijah, <laughs> right? So at the end of the conversation, God wraps it up, and he says, okay, so go back the same way you came. This is so funny to me. Like, seriously, God? <laughs> 41 more days? Like, could we not just, like, get me there faster? <laughs> so think about it. 82 days, this, it happens in one chapter, 82 days, He says, go back the same way you came. And here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to go and I want you to anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of that place to replace you as the prophet. By the way, a little secret when you read the Bible, when you come to something you can't pronounce, just say that place, that person, her, him, whatever. It's okay. You're gonna mispronounce it anyway. It's Hebrew unless you, you know. I took Hebrew and I still mispronounce it, so don't worry about it. He says, I want you to go do all these things, and I want you to anoint Elijah to replace you as my prophet. Isn't that interesting? Resignation letter accepted. And he assures Elijah that guess what? I'm in control. Because if somebody's out there and somebody's harming my people, anybody who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And anyone who escapes Jehu will be killed by Elisha. But here's the deal. I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. 7,000. Remember Moses, I'm the only one. (laughs) What a limited perspective. So, So Elijah went down and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. You know, Elijah's facts, right? They had become and they had made him deaf to God's truth. Right? They had become so loud, so blinding that he couldn't see what God was doing all around him. And what was God's truth? We see it. Elijah, you're not the only one left, there's 7,000. You're not the only one left. Elijah, I'm not done with you. I need you to go anoint these kings. That's a big deal. I need you to find your replacement. And he said, Elijah, I have someone you can pour your life into. And if you read the story, I hope you will, in 1 Kings 19, 20, then go on into 2 Kings, you'll see that he's not done. He just gets a succession plan in place. Like he's got a lot to pour into. So here's the thing that I think we can walk away from today is that loneliness will shout. It will shout lies to us. And you cannot shut loneliness out. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, it is persistent. It will always shout lies. But God will always whisper truth if we'll train our ears. If we'll train our ears. Now, the question is why? Why a whisper? Why does God whisper to us? Well, I was at Starbucks the other day. Anybody ever been to Starbucks? Starbucks? My favorite place in the world, but it's close to our house, and I needed to do some studying and some work. And the worst place to work is here. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, it's just too much. If you want to study, you can't come into the office, right? So, so I'm there, and I think, oh, it'll be quiet. But I ended up sitting in this little corner table, and uh, and there's this speaker, and it's playing the most bizarre music, so loud. And I'm not that guy who's like. Excuse me, could you turn it down? The world revolves around me. Like that's not me, so you know I'm just like I'll just put on my noise, can- my noise-canceling headphones and block out the world. Right, that's the best thing to do. So I get my noise-canceling put it out. Now all I hear is like instrumental music mixed with like Indian, Moroccan classical jams, it was the craziest music. And it's all this in my head, and I'm trying to think, and I'm trying to pray, and I'm trying to discern, and listen, and I'm just having to kind of cut out all this noise to get through. And I think God whispers, because that's life. Because life doesn't stop. When loneliness shouts at us, guess what? You still gotta get up and go to work. When the diagnosis comes, you still gotta parent. When you lose the job, you still gotta figure out where am I gonna get a job, right? There still is work to be done. And and it's a a really crappy reality (laughs) that not everybody can stop. We can't stop. And so I think God whispers and he whispers to Elijah to say, Elijah, I can't take away the noise. I can't stop people from hating you. I can't stop people from wanting to kill you, but I'm present. And you have to train your heart and train your ears to listen. So what about your everyday normal life? What about how do you walk out of this place and how do we grow? How do we be transformed, right? So here's the thing I wanna encourage you with. Number one, set aside loneliness as facts and listen for love's truth. Develop those ears to hear the truth that love is saying to you. If God is love, what does that look like? You know what Jesus says and Jesus whispers to us? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am. How do you fix your heart and your mind on the truth of Jesus? Jesus. And we, we take this verse and we turn it into, you know, unless you say a prayer, then that you're going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever. And, and I understand that kind of logic and that thinking, but I think it's so much more than that. Like we live in a world filled with lies pressing in on us. And Jesus says, hold on, like I'm that path, I'm that 40 days, I'm that journey, I'm the truth. you got to listen to my voice that I'm saying to you. What was the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew? Matthew chapter 28, he says, be sure of this, I am with you. I'm with you always. Be sure of it. And so how do we continually remind ourselves of that? That's why this is important. That's why gathering in this place with people, exploring faith, singing together, being united around truth and not lie, it's so important. Scripture is important. Community, music, prayer, movies, all kinds of stuff. God speaks to us, and the truth can come through if we'll train our hearts in all types of ways and places. God is the most amazing storyteller. And He uses the narratives in our lives, and and He uses the songs on the radio and, and the people we meet at Starbucks to whisper truth to us. I think music is one of the most powerful ways to center ourselves. I think we see this through scripture. We see it in life lived out. So I would encourage you, like maybe make a playlist, make a playlist. How many of you have a Spotify account? Somebody got Spotify. If you've never heard of Spotify, go get a Spotify account, it's awesome. You can get a free one, I think. Yeah, you can get a free one. And you can subscribe to playlists. And if you will go, like, we'll ask, I'm not sure who, I'm still learning my way around here. I'm not sure who does certain things. So I'll figure out who does certain things, but we'll post on the Facebook page and our Insta. See, I didn't say Instagram. I'm trying to be cool. Our Insta. Uh, (laughs) Thank you to my 15 year old daughter that it's Insta. Okay, so we'll post it and, and we have a link to a playlist of songs called Hope Rising. A lot of the songs, like the song that Josh sang today is on that. It says music you're hearing in the foyer. And it's just songs that are about hope, right? Some of them are kind of worship songs and some of them are secular songs and some of them are songs. I don't know. There's so many labels. I don't know how to do what it should be, but they're just songs about hope. And man, when you start to feel lonely, like listen to that playlist and it's free. You can listen to it on your phone, right? Your computer, whatever it might be. But that's such a simple way to do that. I wanna encourage you to do what is so counterintuitive, pour your life into someone. It is the craziest thing that Elijah is so lonely and the thing that God says to do is go find somebody and pour your life into them. Pour your life into them. And you can do that in all kinds of ways. Find a nonprofit here in town that is a a cause that's dear to your heart and give your time to that. Find a ministry here at Crossroads. Think of these folks that went out on the middle school, right? Get connected. Be a part of kids' church. You say, well, Ryan, I don't know who to pour my life into. Pour your life into kids. Oh, I'm new to church. So are they, right? I don't know anything about the Bible. Fake it. They're gonna give you curriculum. Read it the day before. Act like you know what you're doing. Kid asks you a tough question, just give them candy. This is Children's Ministry 101 right there. Chewy candy, so they have to stop talking. So you just have Tootsie Rolls in your pocket, not the little ones, because they work through that too quick, like the big ones. So they're like, what is transubstantiation, right? It's like, oh, you want a Tootsie Roll here, you know, just cram it in their mouth. They're not going to ask you more questions. People think kids ministry is difficult. It's not. Right, that, that connect card on the back. Say, I wanna get connected to a ministry. I'm not sure what. Somebody will follow, will follow up with you. Just make sure your email address is on there, right? Get connected. Find somebody to pour your life into. Mentor, become a big brother, big sister. Find somebody at work who's brand new and just say, you know what? I'm gonna make it my life for the next 30 days to help them transition in. Hint, hint. <laughs> right, whatever it might be. Pour your life into somebody. Another thing you do, and this is the trickiest one, the hardest one, is be vulnerable be vulnerable and step out of the cave. And that's tough. That's really tough. It's tough to talk about your cafeteria. <laughs> it's tough to talk about those things that produce like loneliness in your life because you think nobody could understand. In a few weeks, uh, it, it actually, yeah, in like one week, like October 13th, uh, we have these groups that are starting up and, and some people are starting their own, some people are signing up for them, but they're called rising strong groups. And rising strong groups are, are groups where people are beginning to walk through some of this stuff on a practical in a practical space. It's based on some research by a wonderful author named Brene Brown. Uh, one of our pastors, Katie's organizing all of it, working it out. And we're inviting everybody to get into a rising strong group and start working through some of these things that just latch onto us that make us feel so lonely, that make us feel like we can't move forward. I wanna encourage you, jump into a group, right? I don't think there's a box on your connect card today, but just write on there. I want to, I want to be a part of a rising strong, just write rising strong on it. You don't have to write the whole sentence. We'll know what that means. We'll put you on the mailing list, figure out how to get you. And if you need help getting into a group, we'll get you in one. If you're outgoing, right? You're extroverted. Like everybody loves you. Good for you. Right? Like that's awesome. So go out there and see, uh, uh, go out there and see Rod. He's got a kit that can help you extroverts who know everybody who sell cars for a living, you know, and can do all that stuff. And then and you'll just invite, and you'll have this huge group everybody loves. That's great. So you can go start your group. We wanna empower you to do that. But if you're kind of like me, and you're like, please just put me in a group, just write Rising Strong on there. We'll help you find a great way to meet people. And that may be you're stepping out of the cave because you're in that cave right now. Now, remember I said, don't forget the angels. Here's what's so cool about this. I believe this with all my heart, that if you and I will step out of the cave, if we'll pour ourselves into other people, if we'll recognize that God isn't finished with us, Right? If we'll do these things, you know what is gonna happen? Eventually, you're gonna become an angel. Out of the ashes of loneliness, angels rise. What does that mean? You're gonna get your wings like Clarence. <laughs> no, <laughs> it means that somebody else is gonna be walking through the wilderness and you're gonna hear, go give them food because the journey ahead is gonna be too long for them to do it without you helping them. That's what that angel does. Angel comes and provides what Elijah needs to make it through his wilderness. And that's what God's gonna do with you. And that's what God is gonna do with me. That's what God does with Elijah. Elijah becomes an angel walking with other people through their wilderness. And that's what this is all about. That's what transformation and redemption is, to take our greatest pain and our greatest moments of loneliness so that we can enter into other people's moments of pain and moments of loneliness and be those angels. So as we finish up, Dennis is gonna come in just a moment. We're gonna receive the offering. We're gonna get you out of here. You finish in your connect card. Pull out that connect card. Think about your talk notes here. I just wanna give you like one minute to think about what is God inviting you into today? Like legitimately, I'm gonna give you one minute. One minute to just pause and consider. And maybe it's that simple step of, I'm gonna go create a playlist or I'm gonna subscribe to that playlist. I'll, I'll check out the Facebook page or the Insta page. And is it a page on Insta? I don't know, but I'll, I'll check it out. And, and, and I'll have that playlist ready to go for those moments where I start to feel hopeless or a sense of loneliness, right? Maybe you're interested in this guy, Elijah. It's a really cool story. And maybe you wanna read his whole story in First and Second Kings. Google, that's a simple next step. Maybe you really wanna get your master's degree in in, in rising out of the ashes of loneliness today and God's inviting you to step out of the cave and be vulnerable and talk to somebody, to tell somebody you're lonely. And that is scaring you to pieces. I mean, that's scarier than the thought of the Broncos losing again, right? But you hear the whisper of God in your heart. So, to give you 30 seconds to just quiet. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to just sit and consider. You might want to jot a note down just to consider what is God whispering into your heart today. Maybe you know somebody who's lonely. I don't know, but I'm going to stop talking and give you 30 seconds. God, you are this amazing, amazing parent to us, that when when life is reeling, when loneliness is screaming, you call us in close, and you calmly whisper truth to us. Train us, help us, teach us, Holy Spirit, how to listen to you. For our guests, Lord, for those that are new to this whole thing of faith, God, and things might seem strange, I pray that you'd whisper into their heart today, God, that you're present in their reality and their doubts and their concerns and their fears, that this is a space to grow and question and see what you might have for them. God, I pray just very specifically for those in this place who are in the cave of loneliness. Man, God, give them strength to be vulnerable, to talk to somebody, to get into a rising strong group, whatever it might be, Lord to just begin to walk into freedom and truth, that you're not finished with them, that they're not alone. So may the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may the goodness and the graciousness of our God shine in your life like the sunshine here in Colorado. And when the darkness of loneliness screams in your ear and blinds your eyes, may the whisper of God permeate that noise And bring truth and hope into your heart and into your home. And may God make you an angel to walk into other people's loneliness. So that they won't be walking alone. So that they would have food for their journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.